Welcome to Ballers with Babies. I'm Mark Willard. Today we know so much about what athletes and sports personalities do, but not so much about who they are, what makes them tick. What's life like the moment the stadiums and TV cameras go dark? Most go home to their families. We want to know what that after hours experience is like. Ballers with Babies explores their upbringing, their home life, how it's affected by their high profile job, and how that high profile job is affected by the home life. On Ballers with Babies, we talk to some of the most interesting names in sports and find out how they're even more interesting than we realized. And don't worry, diehard fan, we'll get to the important sports questions as well. This is your favorite people like you've never heard them before. I hope you enjoy. Okay, Ballers with Babies, let's get A.Q. Shipley, veteran offensive lineman in here, longtime NFL center, currently with the Cardinals. Uh, tough injury recently we know about, but the lead story of 2018 is your daughter, I'm sure. You called it the proudest moment of your life earlier this year. Describe that day, if you would. Yeah, it was it was special. It was, uh, you know, you, you never know when it's going to happen. And we're sitting there laying in bed, it's like dead asleep. It's 1.30 in the morning. My wife wakes me up. My water broke. And. <laughs> um, we we start like anybody. I mean, it's the first time doing this thing. We running around the house with like chicken, like, like chickens with our head cut off, and trying to put, put together a bag and do all this. We rush over to the hospital, and then we're. I mean, she went through like you know, she's the toughest woman ever. I mean, she went through a thirty-five hour uh, labor, and we and you know this happened. I think her water broke on Sunday, and we had her daughter Tuesday around noon. So. Um, yeah, it was, it was, it was super special. Was, like I said, the proudest moment of my life. And, um, you know, it's funny you, you brought up about the injury, but you know, the one silver lining is, yeah, I've, I've had a lot more time to spend with her over the last five months, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. I was going to ask you the torn ACL last month, the little baby at home, uh, have this, has this just been, uh, bringing out the home body side of AQ this, this year? Yeah, it's, uh, it's been interesting. I think my wife's definitely sick of me for sure but um she she she's like when when can you spend more time there actually but um it's it's been awesome i mean especially now i don't i'm not on i don't have a brace anymore i don't have crutches she, so i gotta i i don't have any more excuses so i have to i have to do a lot more around the house so i'm gonna find more time i think to um you know, make excuses for lifting weights or doing whatever other rehab I have to do to spend a little more time away. We hear a lot about athletes with their free time, maybe not as much in the NFL, but I feel like in baseball and NBA, uh, like everybody's just on the Fortnite craze uh, whenever they've got free time. If something tells me you're not sitting around playing a lot of video games right now, maybe I'm wrong on that. <laughs> How are you filling the time? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, we're, we're, creatures a habit and you know from the time you know basically you go away to college at you know 18 years old now i'm 32 um so for the last 14 years of my life i've had i've had a structured schedule you know and and during this time frame and this it's it's like your 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 biological clock goes off and it's like i should be doing something right now. i should be in a practice i should be in a meeting and I'm just like, man, I, I'm changing diapers and, and putting together toys around my house. It just feels so awkward. But um, like I said, yeah, it's, it's, it's been it's been special, you know, especially the last month or so watching her develop. And um, if anything, it was fantastic medicine to kind of 
get me over my my, my injury. Yeah, no doubt. By the way, I should uh, back up. Bring us into the house. Give me uh, give me the uh, the names of the ladies in your life. Yeah, so my wife's uh, Sherry and my daughter Skylar. She was born May eighth. May eighth, Skylar. How has bringing a child into your life affected the dynamic of of your marriage? That's that's a thing for everybody. Sure, uh, you, you hear so many. You know, it, it's definitely not going to make it easier. Um, all these stories, and, and and for us, we've been super fortunate. Our our daughter's been like a blessing in terms of sleeping and eating and you know kind of my wife from from day one kind of got her on a schedule and um you never know how i mean they're babies so you never know if they're going to follow the schedule and for some crazy reason she followed this schedule to a t and um we're at we're going on five months now and she's damn near sleeping through the night so um she's been as easy of a baby my wife's like man if this I'll have a couple more of these if it's like this, but you know, our next one will be a nightmare. There's right. no question was, about it. I was <laughs> going to say, take it from someone who has three kids, knock on yeah. wood right now. They don't always yeah. turn out the same. Yeah. It's <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. AQ, you're an offensive lineman. One of the main reasons we're talking today is because you and I have a very close friend in common. Who's also an offensive lineman, Rich Ornberger. I've gotten to know a handful of you guys and you seem like there's a common thread. You're very protective by nature, and I think we get that. That's what you guys end up doing for your job. So I, I wonder sure. about this now that you got a daughter. Uh, let's say 17 years from now, good-looking high school kid comes to the door, <laughs> wants to take your daughter to the prom. How are you handling that? I, you know, it's it's. I'd like to think I know how I'm going to handle it, but <laughs> man, I think it's going to be a it's going to be a whole different scenario. I think at that point, I don't know, you know, you, you see the bad boy movie and you see him waving the gun around <laughs> doing that whole thing. And you kind of, and you kind of want to do that. But then again, you also want to trust your daughter. So hopefully I raise her well enough that she's not bringing home some, some slappy that I, that I have to kind of wave a gun around at. Right. I mean, so uh, <laughs> the whole, the whole hope is that I, that, that my wife and I do a well enough job over the next 16 years. By the way, that that being protective thing, I wonder with some of you guys if it's nature or nurture because uh, you were recruited to Penn State as a defensive lineman, right? Sure, sure was. So, therefore, like, I mean, defensive lineman I don't think of as protective. So, <laughs> so, so where does a trait like that kind of come from? It's a great question. I mean, it's. I, I think, again, I think you pick it up. I think it's uh... – you know, when, when, once once I, once I made that switch to offense, I mean, my whole goal. I mean, at the end of the day, if you think about it, it it's it's interesting because a quarterback and a running back they put all of their trust and faith in their careers, essentially, in the fact that you you and the other four guys up front are going to do your jobs. And you see it time and time again: an offensive lineman misses a block or has a mental error and sets down on a linebacker, and a defensive end comes free or you know, he's supposed to slide out to a safety and doesn't and whatever it may be. And then the guy comes free and bam, there's a, there's a, there's a year ender or possibly a career ender. And, um, at the end of the day, you, as an offensive lineman, you have to take pride in the fact that your whole job and basically everyone around you is protecting the livelihood of the two money makers behind you. Yep. Um, so I think I think that's that's kind of where it comes along. Uh, well, and I wonder what what does that do for the relationship that then you guys experience with guys at those positions, 
in uh, in your life outside of football. Like, for instance, uh, we have another acquaintance in common. I covered uh, USC when Carson Palmer was there, and I know you guys are really yep. good friends. What what is what is the football dynamic uh, lead to as far as that center quarterback relationship in real life? It's funny. I mean, it's there was there was an article I think last year, two years ago. Bruce Arians sent it to you know all the centers and quarterbacks on our team. I forget who wrote it, but it was it was basically the I mean, it might have been Peter King, and it was it was the unique dynamic of the center quarterback you know uh, relationship. And, and it's I don't think there's a relationship on a team like it, you know. And I think uh, you know you can talk to Rich about it too because he he played plenty of center, and it's just it's. It's interesting because it's the only two people really that touch the ball on every play, yep. if you think about it. Yep. And so from that standpoint, um, you have to be in 100% sync. And I know with me, like I had more meetings with the quarterback than I really did with our offensive line. You know, I, I we we'd do the basic installs and do all that stuff, but then, the rest of the week, it was, you know, we could be out on the practice field and I could make a mic point. Carson could switch it to there, you know, whoever. And, and I'm like, man, like, I don't, I, I don't understand what you're seeing there. What are you seeing there? So it was called, it was a, there was a constant dialogue trying to, um, you know, understand and, and get on, get in each other's heads basically and become one. And that's, that's, I think, carries, carries over off the field too. Cause then, you know, every away trip for the last four years, uh, breakfast. Or, I mean, the breakfast at home games and dinner on away games the night before the game. It was I, I spent having breakfast and lunch and dinner with Carson Palmer and Drew Stanton and last year Blaine Gabbard. So I always had it with the quarterbacks, and it was just I mean, it, whatever whatever had happened with our football dialogue also carried over to our to our personal lives as well. I know Carson is now uh, retired up in Idaho, has the kids. I, I, I assume, uh, you have, like, have you reached out for any dad advice? Oh man, I, you know, he, we talked a lot about it last year. Just how, you know, just how much how life is going to change and how uh, how much yeah, he used to always say, man, you, you think you're some big tough guy. He's like, you are going to become, especially especially once I found out I was having a girl, you are going to be the softest human on planet Earth. <laughs> and he's he's a, he's 100 percent right. I mean, it's like I, I could come home, I could be in the worst mood ever, I could have a horrible day at the office, and I come home and. I pick her up from her crib and she smiles at me and I'm just like, Oh, that's, I mean, it just melt, you know? Yep. So it's, that's just the way it works. And he, he was so right. But you know, he's been, it's funny. Cause he's, he, he, I, I go to, I've gone to him with so much advice. Cause he's, he's, he's obviously had plenty of injuries and plenty of career changes and different things. So I've spoken to him about so many different things in life. And it's funny cause, Whenever this, whenever I tore my knee, I mean, he was the first person that called and literally was checking in on me every couple of days because I think he's been through obviously two ACLs and understands the mental side of things. And um, I mean, I couldn't ask for a better friend and better, better, better guy to kind of grow alongside with. I love that, and and you know, as you talk about that that bond or relationship and the time everybody spends and the, when they're at those two positions, I also look at your career and I wonder if it's a little bit like the speed dating version of friendship because uh, I mean, until Arizona, you, you were rarely in one spot for, for more than one year. So what was that sure. like for, for you, the, the, the family members and, and how did you sort of achieve those relationships in such a short period of time? 
it's funny. I, you know, it's, you're right. I mean, I, I got drafted by Pittsburgh and you know, I go to Philly for 10 and 11. I go to Indianapolis in 12, get traded to Baltimore in 13, back to Indy in 14. And then, you know, I've found a home in Arizona since 15 and, you know, I'll, I'll be here for a good five or six years after next year. And it's, this has obviously been my mainstay, but you know, those, you know, one, one year stops, two year stops here and there from 2009 on you, the, the one common thing is football. And, and that's the one fortunate thing. And I, I tell my wife that, and, and until you experience it in a locker room, there's nothing like it. You walk in and there's 53 plus 10, you know, all going for the same common goal. You guys all think alike. You guys all are alphas in some way, shape or form or else you wouldn't be there. And you're all fighting for one common goal and you all think somewhat alike. So, and especially offensive line, and it's a certain breed, certain breed. So you, whatever, whatever locker room you walk into, you instantly basically have, you know, in a kind of offensive line case, you instantly have 10 friends. And then from there you, you go from there. I'm a, I've always been an outgoing personality. I always, uh, you're going to hear me. I mean, there's no question yeah. about that. You're going to hear my voice. So yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, from that standpoint, I've been able to make some good friends, even though I've had one, one year stops here and there. Um, gotten very close with guys in Indianapolis and Baltimore and, you know, Pittsburgh and Philly along, along the way. So uh, as you're describing there, I know you, you guys see a football team as, as somewhat of a family. And I also know that in that football culture, you guys really value availability to your family. So what did it feel like emotionally to go down with a season ending injury? Uh, it's, you know, it's, 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 it's a silver lining, right? At the end of the day. I mean, there's nothing I enjoy more than strapping on a pads on a Sunday and walking out in front of 60 to 80,000 people. There's nothing I enjoy more for the last 14 years of my life. It's, it seemed like second nature to me. It seems like that's, you know, what I'm supposed to do. And, um, when that gets taken away from you, it's, 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 you can either sit there and dwell and do that whole thing, or you can find silver linings. And that's what I've been able to do. I've been able to find small victories along the way. And I think the number one biggest one was, you know, just being able to spend more time at home and help my wife out. And, I mean, she's still working. So now, you know, we have, you know, if I get home at 11 o'clock after rehab, now I can spend from, you know, normally where she'd have the nanny here till three or four when she was done work. And now I can send the nanny home and it's just me and my daughter for three or four hours. And it's, it's, um, it's been a pretty awesome thing. Just being able to spend more time with her and watch her grow. Okay. Quick break to tell you about our sponsor, green solar technologies, you know, summer's over, but you homeowners out there are still having to pay crazy electric bills Have you thought about solar? I'm sure you've seen a lot of your neighbors and your friends going solar. Maybe it's time you checked it out and discover the incredible savings you'll enjoy when compared to the ever-increasing bills you pay your utility company. Green Solar Technologies has made going solar an easy, game-changing move. Call my guys at Green Solar today at 310-893-0099 to find out if solar makes sense for you. I bet it will. Call 310-893-0099. 0099. That's 310 893 Also, GST is growing like crazy and is hiring new ambassadors where, with very little effort, 
you can make a ton of money. To check it out further, ask your solar advisor at the 310-893-0099 number or go to greensolartechnologies.com slash ambassador for additional info. Continuing with AQ Shipley on the Ballers with Babies podcast. Uh, you're not just an athlete. You're also a sports fan, right? I see you tweeting about the Pittsburgh Pirates. Pirates are my team, and they <laughs> continuously let me down. Continuously. It's unbelievable. See, you know, it is unbelievable. You, you know what's funny, though? I always feel like that, that, that brings up an interesting dichotomy because I always feel like, uh, you know, when you're an athlete, uh, and, and and you know the inner workings of a team and the difficulty that goes into what you guys are doing. Uh, mm-hmm. You don't you don't like that that dynamic from fans, which is hey, you know, like get out there and do it correctly and win. Why can't you win? But then when you look at a different sport, you 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 almost it sounded like the biggest critic. Yeah, you morph into that guy. <laughs> absolutely, I, I, I absolutely become that guy. It's for for me. It's you know, I, I grew up in Pittsburgh and grew up in a town where, you know, the Penguins were really good from basically my, my whole childhood until now. Um, the Steelers have always been good. And, and the Pirates had some good years early in my career. And then they go on like a 20-year losing streak. And I'm like, what is happening? Like, <laughs> come on. It's one of the best ballparks in Major League Baseball. And I, I I may be a little biased here, but one of my good friends growing up, his name was Neil Walker, got drafted by the Pirates. Yep, sure. Was their, was their second baseman for a bunch of years now, plays for the New York Yankees. And he was the hometown kid. I'm rooting for him. I'm rooting for the Pirates. They're doing good. And then they trade and then and then they trade him to the New York Mets and I'm like I feel like I feel like every Pittsburgh fan with Levy on Bell right now, it's like, what 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 are you doing? Like why are we where what is going on right now? Why is this guy why are you trading him? And <laughs> why are we why are we trying to lose? I start going on that whole thing. I, I become like number one fan. And yeah, it's, it's it's a disaster. By the way, <laughs> I, I, well, listen, right? every organization goes through it. You you mentioned the name Le'Veon Bell there too, and because of your roots there, sure. I, I wonder what your perspective is on this because uh, as a as a you know sports media member and just as a fan, I was taken aback to hear uh-huh. offensive linemen publicly rip one of their teammates specific to money. You never see that. And so what, what was your perspective when you watched that from afar? I, I was blown away. I really was. It was, uh, you never see that. And, and for me who now, you know, the, the guys that said that, I don't know what their reasoning is behind it. I'm not in that locker room. And, but for me, I've seen the dirtiest side of this business. I've been cut six different times. I've been traded once. So I've been involved in seven transactions and felt like some of them were maybe not warranted in, in, in a case or two. And I've, I've also seen other guys who got, you know, basically put in dirty situations, right? So the way I look at it and the way I've always looked at it is I feel like teams for the most part and owners for the most part and GMs for the most part, they treat this like a business. Most fans look at it like it's a game. Most media members, I feel like, even look at it like it's a game for the most part. But at the end of the day, the way they treat it is it's a business. And it's, in a lot of cases, a one-sided business because, as you know, our contracts aren't guaranteed for the most part. And 
it's it's very very one sided in the fact that okay we're just going to cut them whenever there's no guaranteed money left and then boom okay see you later and so in a case where Le'Veon where he's in the prime of his career he's arguably the best running back and possibly the best offensive player in the NFL over the last three or four years right when you have an opportunity to secure your future for four or five years and secure the money that you deserve, I think he has every right to do what he's doing and go after that because, yeah, in Pittsburgh media, will sit there and say that, oh, yeah, he did. He, he got offered two contracts. The contracts, from what I understand, were very low guarantees yep. and weren't really going to secure his future. So I think he's doing – I think I think in this case, when, when you have a chance to go get yours and get paid and get rewarded for what you deserve – they have every right to do it. Yeah, I think he has every right to do what he's doing. Yeah, I think that's well said. You know, a, a, by the way, also, as a Pennsylvania guy, uh, was, was it always Penn State? You know, it, it, I grew up, you know, my dad was always a Paterno fan growing up, and I think that was the team that we grew up watching. Pitt was never, you know, I mean, they weren't the Marino years when I was when I was coming up. And uh, so I think that was the team we liked, and I grew up Catholic, so Notre Dame was always on our household as well those were kind of two teams and it came down to uh it ultimately came down to penn state michigan ohio state but my other two that i was in on was notre dame and oklahoma and um yeah i mean at the end of the day my, my father had some heart issues before i went to school and um i wanted to stay relatively close to home and that was kind of the one of the one of the main factors and then tom bradley who now coaches for the Steelers, was a long-time defense coordinator at Penn State, was very instrumental in recruiting me to Penn State. So, You know, I've talked to uh, to Rich, our, our mutual friend, also went to Penn State a lot about what it was like for him to leave Penn State and then watch what happened there uh, with the Sandusky story and everything that went on. What, what was that like for you? Oh, it's tough. I mean, it's, you know, it's especially when you go there and, and you – just like anybody that goes to college and goes to a major school, like your, your, your pride is that school. Right. And so, um, that's the one constant in my life so far where I did, you know, when I got to the pros, it was like switching teams, switching teams, switching teams. So the one constant for me was Penn state. And then that whole thing happens. And so, like, Oh man, like everybody in the country is like hating this place because of one man or whatever, you know, whatever actions from that standpoint you want to you want to take aside and say that other people were involved or other people weren't or whatever you want to whatever whatever people think and you know so you, you you start getting all this these hate tweets and all this oh you went to Penn State you're into that it's like relax people like we like I was long gone from this like there was one person's man like uh thing and you know it was it was obviously a despicable thing and um He's 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 paying for that dearly as he should, and um, it was it was it was just hard. It was it was hard to be an alumni at that time. It was hard to hard to be a part of and hard to watch. And what what kind of conversations did you have with family and friends as the story was coming out? Well, I think I think it's 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 interesting because you know so you know yeah there was there was there was the side of obviously what happened, and then there was the side of well, now, now Joe Paterno, who was my college coach, and everybody kind of, and that's a Penn State grad, kind of worshipped that guy almost, right? Now he's fired, 
and then weeks later or a week later or something like that and then he's lung cancer and then months later he dies so you know you, you there, there's there's all kinds of conversations going on and then what's going to happen with sandusky is there more people involved is there not more people involved and you know from from the standpoint that you know i got asked all these questions and it was like listen like when i got to penn state the guy hadn't jerry sandusky was not at penn state for a good five years at that point he had the foundation that he ran you know off campus that was still in town and was in and around you know different functions and whatnot but like most of us had no we didn't we didn't know the man very well and what you did know of him it was like oh he was this great defensive coordinator you you weren't you thought maybe he was a little goofy guy but <laughs> you, you didn't you didn't every interaction you had with him, oh yeah the guy's a little weird but like nobody had any inkling whatsoever that the magnitude of what was happening so right. um it's it's uh it's interesting because there's really nobody that coached me or really was associated with the program that is still there so um the new head coach has done a good job i think reaching out to especially guys in the nfl that have played there and i've had conversations with them and i I was able to you know spend some time with them a little bit face to face when they played in the fiesta bowl here last year i came out i went up to a practice and um got to see them got to talk with them and you know they've reached out to me a couple times um you know, after this injury. So, I mean, they're, they're doing everything they, sh- they, they can and should for, for reaching out to former players who um, either are still playing or, um, or even just, you know, we're, we're a big part of the program. So um, it's good to see that the new is, 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 is honoring the past and honoring, you know, the history and tradition. And, um, you know, I, I'd like to get back there obviously when I'm done playing and get to spend a little more time with some of these people though. We always hear, AQ, that there's no loyalty in sports. That's a phrase we hear a lot. But it sure feels like the Cardinals showed some recently when they signed you to an extension after you tore your ACL. What led to that? Oh, you know, it's, it's, it, 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 I don't, you know, it's, it's hard to put into words. It really is because it's, it meant so much to me and my family and, you know, just, for the hard work that I've put in here and um, trying to be as much of a leader as I possibly can and the respect of my teammates and, and front office and coaches had in me, I think all kind of led to that. And I think all, obviously I think a part of it has to be to the loyalty and, you know, just them doing the right thing, being the front office and the owner um, ownership um, and honoring something that was kind of in the works before I got injured and, um, you know, it, it meant the world to me. I mean, and, it, and you're right. It is it is very rare to see something like that. There's a quick story about it. My agent calls anytime there's a contract um, in the NFL. What happens is the agent calls the NFL Players Association to report the contract, and then the NFL team calls the NFL to report it on their side. And my agent calls the PA and they're like, Hey, uh, the Cardinals are going to extend my guy EQ Shipley for a year. And they, and they said, they, they wait, they're doing what on a, <laughs> on a torn ACL. They're doing what? <laughs> like they were even like kind of blown away at that. I don't, I don't think they've seen anything like that. So, um, kudos to the Arizona Cardinals organization. And, um, you know, I can't thank them enough for, for, for honoring that. That's amazing. And I love they did it, but I got to ask, so why were they interested in having that conversation last month? You might've just alluded to it there. Did you say this was, this was in the works before the injury? 
Yeah, so we were we were in the process of kind of hopefully getting you know a two or three year deal done that kind of let me finish my career here and um you know I, I hadn't missed a snap in the last two years. I played I was playing at a high level. I'm still relatively young, but I, I mean I think they knew I kind of had you know at least two or three left, and we're gonna we're gonna do that. We've been in talks really since you know February March. They wanted to um, kind of get the draft and free agency kind of all squared away. And then we were going to kind of handle everything after OTAs. Well, then our, our general manager gets, uh, get, got a DUI and got suspended for six weeks. So right. that whole thing got kind of tabled and shelved a little bit. And so um, the whole thing was like, Hey, like, hey, can you just go out and do your thing? Keep being the leader you are, keep playing well, keep those guys together and get rolling with the offense, have a good training camp. Don't think about this. It's going to happen as soon as Steve gets back. And then, you know, while he was on suspension, you know, that's that's when I got hurt. Wow. So, well, that that yeah. I mean that that is amazing then that they you know they held up their uh, their end of the bargain. Uh, you know, you mentioned two three years left to go was what you were thinking. Uh, has has having a daughter um, has it made you think more about life after football? You know, it's oh man, it's a good question. It's um, Obviously, I have a lot more time on my hands right now to be thinking about stuff. So yeah. I'm thinking about things. Things have creeped into my mind that I really don't even want to be even thinking about at this point. My my philosophy has always been this, Mark, and it's been it's been I've watched guys who in the off seasons while while they were still playing start focusing on life after football. They start trying to figure out what they want to do next. They start putting extra time into that which therefore I feel like sacrifices time from getting you ready for next season. And so I've noticed, and maybe, maybe this is just me and my crazy thinking, or if it's actually true, I, I don't know. But my thought has always been that I've watched guys who start focusing more on life after football in the off seasons. I feel like they get to that point quicker because of that. And maybe that's my crazy thinking. Maybe yeah. I'm wrong in that, but that that that's been that has been my observation. I think throughout time. So my thought has always been this NFL thing is not for long. I've been fortunate enough to get ten in, and I'm hoping to get like as many more as I can in. Realistically, we're looking at you know one by one after 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 what just happened. So. With me, I'm going to put everything I can into coming back healthy next year, doing everything I can to come back, hopefully win the starting job again. And, you know, if I play well enough and I can stay healthy long enough, you know, get a year after that, get a year after that, and go from there and see what happens and let the chips fall where they may. And then when when life after football comes, handle it when that, when that comes. All right, home stretch on Ballers with Babies with A.Q. Shipley, center for the Arizona Cardinals. A.Q., Josh Rosen, now the starter in Arizona, how do you think he's going to do? Um, I think he's going to do great eventually. I think it's going to be a learning curve. I think, um, you know, I think he's he, he's got all the talent in the world. The kid can flat out spin it. He's smart as can be. Played at a high level in college at one of the top programs in the country for years. I think, but what I think teams are going to do, and especially you know, with him being a rookie and kind of getting thrown in the fire, I think they're going to throw every disguise in the books at him and he's got to be willing. I think he, I think he's aware of that. I think he knows that. I think, you know, the advice the guys are giving him is just, you know, take what comes to you, uh, make quick decisions right or wrong. 
and uh, just be a leader and kind of control. You know, especially with uh, the position that you hold, like if you were still at the facility every day, what what do you think you'd be saying to him? Or, or have you reached out to him? Yeah, you know, I, 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 I've told him every week that I see him, just, hey, man, you know, just keep your mind in it, keep your head in it, stay, stay ready to roll because at any moment it could happen. And then last week, you know, they, 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 they made that decision and he got thrown in the fire and that's kind of, it, it's his, it's his role moving forward. So, um, you know, I, I remember when I was a backup and my whole thing was always just prepare like you're the starter because whenever you get that moment, you have to make the most of it. I know he'll have more opportunities being that he was a top 10 pick than I ever did being a seventh rounder with short arms and undersized and <laughs> this, that, and the other. But my thing was like, Hey, when I got this opportunity, if I screw it up, they ain't coming back to me. Right. I know that. Right. Um, so that that's, that, that's what I've always told him is just like from day one, Hey man, prepare like you're the starter and be ready to roll and call it upon. Is he the guy that everyone said, particularly back at the draft, that he is? You know the description and what people said about him. Entitled, not sure if he loves football, maybe almost a little too smart for his own good. What's your impression of him? I, I mean, from my impression of him so far, has been fantastic. He's come to work every day. He's put his, he's put his head down. He's worked hard. He, he's accepted the backup role from the beginning and, waited his time and you know his time obviously came sooner than i think he even expected but um you know he's he's done and said all the right things since he's been here i think he had a chip on his shoulder being that he felt like he was the best quarterback in the draft but you know i've spoke with rich about this i've spoke with other people about this it's like is he supposed to say he's not the best quarterback in the draft <laughs> i mean i i think in the case that um he said you know that he thought he was the best and then now he's got a chip on his shoulder he feels that teams passed on him. He can't wait to play those teams and stuff like that. I think I think you have to say that as a competitor. I think you really do. And what about the guy that uh, that now is going to move into the backup role, who I'm sure you spent a lot of time with throughout camp, Sam Bradford. You know, from from the injuries he's suffered uh, to situations like Carson Wentz in Philly and now Rosen in Arizona. His career is just like, especially for a number one overall pick, it feels like it's just been constant. Stop, start, stop, uh, start. So, uh, you know, what What do you think of when you when you look at his career and what do you think he's going through right now? Yeah, it's got to be super tough. I mean, I've, I've had some conversations with him, and I think uh, as a competitor, I mean, I, there's not one part of him I think that's happy about this. But at the end of the day, I think he saw the writing on the wall that it was going to happen at some point. Whether it was this soon, I don't think he thought that, but, um, you know, as as a professional, you also have to handle it the right way, and I think he's doing that. And I think he's gonna, you know, support the kid and do everything he can to help him out because that's kind of just what you do as a professional. And um, as a number one pick, former Heisman Trophy winner, and you know, he's played a lot of games in the NFL. He's also had a lot of injuries. I think, um, you know, it probably didn't go exactly to the way he wanted it to go, but. At the end of the day, he battled and competed and um, did everything he could and just didn't kind of follow his direction a lot of ways. He had a lot of bad luck. You know, you're like, uh, I think, every other NFL player right now in that uh, if you look at your Twitter, there are some tweets criticizing some of the new rules in the league. What are your thoughts on how the NFL is officiating games these days? I think uh, what's the best way to say this. I think, <laughs> I think it's uh, – 
I think it's hard to watch. I really do. I think as a defensive player, it's a nightmare. I think they don't know what's going to get called, what is going to get called. Um, they're afraid to kind of do everything that they've been taught to do from the time they started playing football. Um, I've always been under the impression that when you come into this game and you sign up for this game, you sign up for it knowing exactly what it is. It's a violent game. It is a very violent game. And if you are not prepared to play this violent game, then you should not play that. That is, that is the way I signed up for this game. That is the way most people did. If you're anything like I was when I grew up enjoying the game and, and wanting to play the game, it was because I used to watch the old NFL films of the 60s and some of those linebackers clotheslining people across the middle and knocking heads off and, you know, watching the Monday night football, you know, hardest hits of the week. And um, it's funny how they advertise that for so long. And now all of a sudden they want to, they want to get it all out of the game. And so um, it's, 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 I think, I think the officials are in a bad spot because they're told to officiate it one way. And then they're also in a bad spot because they can't tell players exactly how it is going to be officiated. And then you got guys who Clay Matthews who are doing perfectly formed tackles, getting flagged and getting fined fifteen thousand a week for doing exactly what he's been taught to do from the time he was six years old. And then you got another guy, William Hayes, who tears his knee trying to avoid landing on a quarterback because that's the new rule. So it's 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 a, it's an absolute disaster right now. And I I think the game should be played the way it's always been played, and that's you know get the competition committee out of there and just go back to the way the game's always been played. I think it's so telling that offensive players are speaking up. I, it, it's almost as if even quarterbacks are speaking mm-hmm. up and it, it, it's as if they're, they're embarrassed because this is like, they don't, I don't think they want to be saved and protected in that way. Right. Well, I mean, and, and ultimately at the end of the day, like I, I, I take pride in the fact that quote unquote, I'm a tough guy. Like I've always, I've always liked that, that, that role or that, that, you know, what people would say, Oh, he's, he's so tough. He's physical. He's an offensive lineman. And then now I'm playing in 2018 and people are posting memes of basically flag football. And and obviously it's more than that. We all get that, but it's kind of trending that way. And the fact that you can't touch a quarterback, you can't, you can't lower your head and play defense the way you're supposed to. And I get it. They're trying to, you know, make the game safer. But at the end of the day, like it's, it's been a violent game from day one. So the game should be played as such. AQ, uh, really wonderful to hear all of these thoughts and stories. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time today. Absolutely. I appreciate you having me on. 